Considering the present status of Jake's vision, one must ponder whether he is an asset or a detriment to his team as they strive to survive. With more on that, here is Jake the Snake Roberts, together with his team, the Vipers. Yeah, brother love, accidents do happen. I reached out, I touched something, I grabbed the wrong man. I wanted you, Martell. That's who I wanted. In the Survivor Series, though, I've got a set of Vipers out there to show me the way to find you, Mr. Martell. And when I find you, you let me know, brother, because I won't let you go. Later on, my colleague, the mean one, Gene Oakland, will be here with a Survivor Series report. For the World Wrestling Federation, this has been a special report. Hello and welcome to that 90s wrestling podcast, the wrestling podcast that takes us back to the glory years of the WWE, the 1990s. I'm your host, James Tunstall, joining me once again from the Pat Productions. Kevin, how are you doing, Kevin? I'm doing pretty outstanding today. Had a little bit of work, but now I get to come home and uh, talk about some old school wrestling with this fine guy. How are you doing, sir? Great, Kevin. Uh, making the big move tomorrow. We've got a uh, four-hour drive tomorrow, so... Uh, that's very exciting to do with uh, three screaming children in the back. <laughs> hey, I mean, yeah, thank thank Nintendo for making the Switch. I, it'll probably end up being a little bit better than you think just because of that. It's a godsend. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, so today we are reviewing Survivor Series 90. It was held in Har uh, Hartford, Connecticut, in the Hartford Civic Center. It was on Thanksgiving on the 22nd of November in front of 16,000 fans. And uh, yeah, in the rest of the world at the time, in the music charts, uh, number one in the US charts, have a guess, Kevin. Oh, yes. Uh, well, since the last time we did it, it was Mariah Carey, so I'm going to guess that she's still there. That's right. <laughs> yeah, she will always be my baby. <laughs> she was number one with uh, Love Takes Time. Uh, in the UK charts was The Righteous Brothers with Unchained Melody. It's a really good song. I actually like that one a lot. I think a few weeks before, and uh, Ghost was still number one in the charts, so that man. Oh, the Swayze movie? That's the one. Uh, I, love yeah, Swayze. I love Patrick Swayze. By the way, a little-known film that he, does, that he did that no one ever talks about with Rob Lowe called Youngblood. It's a hockey movie. I love it. I haven't seen that one. Yeah, no one has. That's what's so frustrating. It's Rob Lowe and Patrick Swayze in the 80s, their peak, and, uh, you know, no one talks about it. Yeah, um, I forget around seeing that. Uh, there's a few films he's done which I still haven't seen, like Next of Kin and film, films like. Well, I've seen Next of Kin, what he does with like Liam Neeson. That's a great film. Mm -hmm. uh, they play like brothers. It's like a revenge sort of story. I think they had like a kid brother gets killed by a gang, and they basically trying to get revenge on them. So um, sounds great. Great movie. And yeah, number one uh, film at the box office, uh, especially during this time, monster movie was uh, Home Alone. Mm. A lot of monsters in there, except, I mean, Joe Pesci is pretty much the scariest monster I can think of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah great film. I uh, loved it. And uh, yeah, even the sequel, we'll try not to speak. Well, number three wasn't too bad as well, well but I don't know. Yeah, it was like, I love the second one, Lost in New York. Although Donald Trump is in it. So my own personally, I'm like, oh, gosh, it's the first time I've ever seen that guy in anything. And then eventually The Apprentice, and yeah, now he's the U.S. president. But actually, the fun, fun, quick fact about the uh, the original Home Alone, I guess technically the second one. Uh, my yeah. name's Kevin, and the main character's name is Kevin. And when the mom figures out that Kevin is not on their uh, on their plane to go to France, she screams Kevin, and that has basically traumatized me as I've grown up because it sounded a lot like my own mother screaming Kevin at me. <laughs> yeah, so I haven't got quite got over that quite yet. 
<laughs> and in the uh, video game world at the time, uh, in Japan, we was a few weeks removed uh, from the release of the Super Famicom, which over in stateside you'll call it the SNES, over in uh, Europe we call it the Super Nintendo. That yeah. was uh, released with a uh, Super Mario World and F Zero, and a few weeks after this uh, in Europe was the release of the Sega Mega Drive, which was my first ever video game console. That's a pretty good name. I mean, the SNES versus uh, Mega Drive, I don't know, it sounds a little bit better. Europe probably won that one. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, we get into the show. It's a Survivor Series! The epitome of tag team competition is the immortal Hulk Hogan and the Earthquake! Tap into respective teams of the Big Boss Man and Dino Bravo. Joining up with Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Haku, Tugboat, the Barbarian, the Hulkamaniacs versus the Natural Disasters. Team Captains, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, and the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Join up with Coco Beware and a mystery partner, along with the Anvil, Greg Hammer Valentine, Bret Hart, the Honky Talk Man, the Dream Team versus the Million Dollar Team. Team Captains Nikolai Volkov and Sergeant Slaughter. Join up with Tito Santana, Laura Suko, Bushwhacker Butch, Sato, Bushwhacker Luka Tanaka, Nipsey Alliance versus the Mercenaries. Jake the Snake Roberts and the model Rick Martell, captain and respective teams of the Superfly, the Warlord, Marty Gennetti, the Mighty Hercules, Shawn Michaels, Paul Roma, the Vipers versus the Visionaries. World Wrestling Federation Champion, the Ultimate Warrior, and Mr. Perfect, lead team members, Texas Tornado, Crash, along with Animal, Axe, Hawk, Smash, it's the Warriors versus the Perfect Team. It's the Survivor Series! And yeah, Vince uh, McMahon runs down the card and another fruit tearing promo, which was awesome as always. Oh, I love those back in the day. Before he became the McMahon character, you know, and he was just the announcer. It's like, tonight we got our slobber. Well, he didn't say slobber. Tonight we got a card for you where we have the Warriors facing off against the perfect team led by Mr. Perfect. I don't know how he spoke after that. Absolutely. And just brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> and we uh, go see the uh, commentary team for tonight. We have Gorilla Monsoon. He's with Roddy Piper. First question was, how much coke did Roddy, pa- uh, Roddy Piper take before the show? Oh, as much as he could jam into that Ziploc bag. That's that's the answer. <laughs> and uh, he was quoted in saying, uh, for the U.S. troops and uh, George Bush, we're gonna ch- uh, give the show for free. And for Saddam Hussein, we're gonna make you pay through the nose, and we're gonna charge you double. He's just li- living that uh, living that babyface gimmick, and I I love it. And also, I like that it just happened to coincidentally by you saying "make pay through the nose." It 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 sounds like another uh, cocaine joke. <laughs> <laughs> so the first match we got it's the perfect team against the Ultimate Warrior. The perfect team is Demolition Axe, Smash and Crush, and their team captain of the night is Mister Perfect. And the first thing I noticed, Mister Fuji was back with Demolition. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a nice little surprise because I and just as a kind of a warning out there for all of you, um, I'm I'm 30 years old and so these this happened when I was about one years old so I've actually never seen this pay per view, um, and just looking at it now I'm like oh so it's actually it is a surprise that Fuji was there, um, and uh, from that team and 
just throwing it out there, like I like how these teams are all named a one specific way. And the perfect team, I guess they're called that just because Mr. Perfect is the captain, but otherwise has nothing to do with demolition and their creepy gimp face mask that they wear from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> um, <laughs> but whereas the other team is terribly appropriate. I mean, you have at least three of the four members. You have, you know, Road Warrior Animal, Road Warrior Hawk, or at least his you know, they're kind of known later. Plus, uh, of course, the Ultimate Warrior um, or Ultimate Warrior slash Roman Reigns, as I like to refer to him these days. Um, <laughs> and then you just kind of have like a random tornado kind of blowing in the breeze. <laughs> it didn't quite make sense, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's a fun fact for you, Kevin. Um, no. In the NWA and World Class Championship Wrestling, Kerry Von Erich's nickname was actually the uh, Modern Day Warrior. Really? Yep. Wow. Okay. Da- okay. So all four um, are uh, all four of them actually really fit. So dang. Okay. They really got that right. Yeah. Uh, so as uh, the perfect team is heading on out, uh, we cut to backstage, and the Warriors has got a uh, the Warriors. I'm definitely going to put in that soundbite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the Warriors is with uh, Gene Okerlund, and yeah, very very shouty promo, and yeah. Thing I noticed was uh, Ultimate Warriors uh, white WWF title strap, which I loved. Oh, those are always the greatest. I mean, whenever they had, like, when I had the opportunity to buy a replica WWE belt, the first one I did was, I didn't go for the winged eagle belt, even though I love that. I went for instead the uh, white intercontinental title, because it just, it, white strap, it just, it hits different. It looks so good. Yeah, it is uh, pretty, it's, it always seems to just make every belt um, look better, that white strap, so... It really I does. It. I like I like the women's championships right now more than the men's because the white strap I just think looks looks way better. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> How dare you cough while we're recording a podcast? Yeah, my, my I've done two podcasts tonight. My mouth is so dry. Um, Get so some yeah, so <laughs> that's definitely what I need in a minute. Uh, so yeah, uh, the faces make their way out. Uh, first out is the uh, Texas. Uh, tornado carrying for Eric, still uh, Intercontinental Champion. He's uh, out first with a good pop, then the Legion of Doom, followed by another big pop, and then the Ultimate Warrior, who's uh, still getting the big reactions. So, uh, good for uh, reactions for the faces as they come out. It was the big hair era. I'm not surprised. Big <laughs> hair, big muscles, big little pieces of cloth hanging off your biceps. <laughs> <laughs> so, as we get to the match, the first elimination, uh, Ultimate Warrior um, does the Warrior splash on Axe, and uh, Axe is uh, quickly eliminated. Yeah, got to get rid of one of them. I mean, everyone knows they're the chumps here. If there needs to be three of you out of a four-person team, then someone's dead waiting. <laughs> and yeah, on the um, second uh, eliminations, it, it was a bit weird, because um, <clears throat> Hawk hits a flying clothesline on Smash, goes for the pin, but then Crush comes over to break it, and... Um, Animal um, comes in, and the four of them basically brawls, and they get a DQ, even though Smash and Hawk were still legal men in the ring. So that it didn't make sense why they got DQ'd. <laughs> well, one of, yeah, I guess it's one of those ones you're like, you know what? The audience will just go with it. They'll just go with the fact that this isn't fair and it's not against the rules and whatever. <laughs> we'll see a few. We'll see quite a few uh, dubious eliminations tonight as we go through. Um, so yeah, we're down to. Uh, Ultimate Warrior and Kerry Von Eric against uh, Mr. Perfect. Uh, the one thing I did notice, uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan, he was outside and he had the uh, sports jacket, what said the brain on it. I'm thinking I would love to try and get one of them sports jackets. 
Oh, absolutely. That's iconic. I mean, Bobby the Brain is one of the greatest ever. Yeah. Um, he was really involved little... even when he was out, like outside of the ring and he's not an active participant. Him as a manager or a valet or whatever you want to say, he was pretty involved. So that 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 uh, track jacket got a lot of a uh, lot of a lot of love and a lot of looks on the TV screen. Yeah. Um, next elimination comes um, is when um, Mr. Perfect throws Kerry Von Erich into the exposed turnbuckle and then basically hits him with a perfect plex to get the uh, one two three. Yeah, it's funny how a suplex can be just it's just a suplex but man when he, you call it the perfect plex and Henning's the one who's doing it, it it looks devastating and I'm like you know what I'm glad you got pinned in a perfect plex because it's the awesome perfect plex <laughs> kind of like uh, sweet chin music it's just a kick to the face but when he's doing it ooh different story well uh, Mr. Perfect he hits the uh, he also hits the perfect plex onto Ultimate Warrior but Ultimate Warrior just um, kicks out of it <laughs> Oh, super, I'm, super Cena, super Roman Reigns over there getting out of it. Shocker. And uh, believe it or not, this is actually the first time someone actually kicked out the perfect plex. Oh, ever? Ever. Like, I know he hit it on um, Hogan, like, during Royal Rumble and things like that, but that wasn't a match. But oh, okay. in in the confines of an actual uh, match to pin someone, I think Warrior was actually the f- very first person to kick out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds about so, right. He got at least he got that on there, not Brutus the Beefcake. <laughs> oh my God, the barber, Jesus! <laughs> and uh, yeah, as he kicks out, uh, Heenan just basically takes a fit outside. Um, um, yeah, uh, perfect hits a nice drop kick, but then Warrior starts uh, hulking up. High rope. <laughs> oh, great! That's like the era. Like even though I know it's called hulking up, like that's all Warrior did too. <laughs> It's kind of it's kind of weird that they had him at the same time, but I guess that's why he chose. I don't I don't know I don't know. I'm just gonna enjoy it anyway. He was hulking up, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it hits a few of his uh, shoulder charges and the warrior splash, and yeah, it gets one two three. And what we what he does do, which I forgot to mention at the top of the show, uh, so the uh, tonight they're having the grand finale. So basically, the survivors in each Survivor Series match qualifies for a grand finale Survivor Series match. And Warrior is the first participant to qualify for it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, because yeah, that was one at the end. I was really excited. I was like, I expect Ultimate Warrior to be in there at the end, but I don't know. It just, I don't know. It's a fact he's there, I guess. <laughs> I, mean, I guess I didn't have anything to contribute other than, yeah, I kind of expected him to be there. <laughs> Next up, we see we go backstage and we see uh, Sean Mooney and he's with uh, Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase, Rhythm and Blues, and he teases his uh, fourth partner. Um, originally, we mentioned this on the last show, the original partner was meant to be Bad News Brown, but he left the Fed uh, just beforehand, so we'll be seeing who that fourth partner is uh, pretty soon. And next up, uh, we see uh, the Dream Team come out. The Dream Team is Dusty Rhodes. Uh, the tag team champions at the time, the Heart Foundation, and uh, Coco Beware, and you hear the American Dream song hit, Dusty's out, and he's got no polka dots. No, they got rid of the polka dots, which I, I was kind of surprised by. You know, when I, I always hear the story about Dusty and uh, the polka dots, how, you know, being just like the biggest like rib out there, sort of just to mess with them. Um, I'm really glad, though, because they always look really stupid. <laughs> And that also ties back to our previous episode, which is Sumsam 90 in the archives. That when he took his uh, promo towards the end of the show, that um, 
he said about the fans was going to say, when you get mean, Dusty, when you get serious, Dusty, and looks like he took that advice on board. <laughs> Absolutely. When you going to get mean, Dusty, what are you going to get? <laughs> I, 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 don't, I like doing his accent, but or his voice, but then I don't like to because it feels like I'm just actively trying to do like a lisp or something. I don't even know if he has a lisp. That's just how I have to do it. Yeah, he does, he does have a lisp. <laughs> Cody, oh, okay. has a li- Cody has Yo. a lisp as well. Cody definitely does, but Cody Cody's has gotten better. Good for him. Um, I don't there's anything wrong with it. It's just it definitely has improved um, to where I don't notice it quite as much. Yeah. Um, as yeah. as as they're making their way towards the ring, you'll pick up that uh, Roddy Piper talks about Bret Hart's brother Dean Hart, who uh, passed away the, the basically the day before, and he passed away. He had like a um, kidney disease, and I read it in Bret Hart's book that he was obviously devastated. He really looked up to his brother Dean, but Towards the end of Dean's life, he got like he was just like a con artist trying to rip people off and things like that. Mm. And like he died the day before. And then as uh, Brett was backstage, he was walking, and obviously he had the expression of how you would look if you had a brother who died. And Vince mm-hmm. uh, McMahon and Pat Patterson was walking by, and they said to him, "What's up? Uh, what's up? It looks like someone's died." And um, Brett said, "Literally, well, someone yeah. died." <laughs> yeah, and Brett, Brett basically said, uh, "Yeah, actually, my brother died yesterday." Rather, Vince and Pat Patterson just ignored it, or they just laughed it off. But one of the two. But it was just nice that Roddy Piper acknowledged it because Roddy's really close with the Hart family. I think they're like cousins, one way or another. Man, the Hart families—they're like so interconnected with all these different people. It's kind of wild. Yeah, you know, obviously, because uh, you know, later on you have like Davy Boy. Um, and, you know, you have the anvil and stuff. You think of that and just, uh, I don't know. It's weird. And Pillman eventually, how they were just all tied together. But I guess that was really for the new Heart Foundation. Um, yeah. It just seems like their fingers got all over the place. Yeah. Out next is the Rhythm and Blues with their uh, honka, honka, honka theme. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, like, if there was a list of most oddly shaped wrestlers I can think of, like, the hammer's got to be on it. Like, I just look at him, and he just looks so funny to me. <laughs> like, him and Rhino would be on it. Like, just guys that I just look at, and I go, like, yeah. I, I can't quite figure out what's what's out of touch with your your body shape, but it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't look like they messed up something. I don't, I don't know what. I don't know what. <laughs> uh, out next, it's um, DBRC, and he cuts that infamous promo where he introduces... partner led to the ring by his manager brother love weighing in at 320 pounds from death valley i give you the undertaker <laughs> the undertaker the mystery partner is now revealed i never heard of oh, take oh, a look. Holy cow. look at the size of that ham hock Check out them drumsticks, baby. 320 pounds, looks to be 6'9", 6'10", somewhere in that neighborhood, Rod. 6'10", I don't know, it's hard to tell from here. Holy cow! And look at the look on the face. I don't, do you think it's his coffee? Doesn't look like he's having a good time. You think he'd steal the gold out of your team? 
The Undertaker. The third man. Just kidding. The fourth man. Um, <laughs> the, he was the extra mystery partner before Hogan made it cool in the NWO. Um, yeah, I mean, who you know? Who knew this was going to be the the launch of maybe the greatest wrestling character of all time? It's interesting because when we think about this being maybe one of the greatest characters ever, you know, one of the biggest critiques the WWE got back in the day is that they came up with all these gimmick characters where it was like uh, you have someone who's doing a job and then you make them a character. So like you have the goon, he's a hockey player and a wrestler. Duke the Dumpster yeah. Jersey, who's a garbage man and a wrestler. I mean, there's really no difference between The Undertaker, who's an undertaker and a wrestler. But this one, for some reason, just maybe it's because Mark Calloway did such a great job of character. Um, yeah. Maybe because they actually, you know, The Undertaker is just a really menacing type figure, unlike some of those other guys like uh, Isaac Yankum. But this is the basically this is the birth of maybe their their greatest long asset ever. Yeah. What's your favorite uh, Undertaker gimmick? Like your favorite? Like uh, the era? Yeah, which one's your favorite? Ooh, I man, I I really liked, I really liked his run with the Ministry of Darkness. Yeah, like a lot. Like I really did. I know when it, when they was becoming like the corporate ministry, it clearly was running its its course. But yeah, bro, for that time where he was kind of this like, like he had a longer beard and or goatee, whatever you want to call it, and he was looking kind of grungy. But you know, he had like Phineas. Um, he had, uh, I forget what the, was King Mabel's name when he, oh, when he uh, Viscera, 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 that's it. Yep. Yeah. And he was a Viscera and of course, you know, like, and he had all the, and he had the acolytes and stuff. Like, I, it, I just thought it was so cool and it was mystical and tying people to crosses and stuff. I thought that was so good, but you know, he, he's, he's done so many things that were good. I, mean, I didn't care that much for American Badass, but it was good yeah. that they changed him up at least. Yeah, it was great. I loved it, and uh, I loved the the theme song as well, the Ministry theme. I think it's his best theme. It was very uh, good. Do you have a different I, era of Taker that you like? I I love Ministry, and uh, to be honest, I, I do love this Taker as well. Um, oh, like the mortician. Uh, he was only twenty five here, by the way. He was really young. Jeez, he, he looks like the same Taker now, except he you know less flabby and all of his hair. Otherwise, it doesn't look all that different from what I see now. Jeez. Especially with the, the eye makeup they put on him in this one right here um, to make yeah. him look, you know, more dead, I guess. And, uh, yeah, as he's on his way to the ring, he's not joined by Paul Bear. He's actually joined by uh, Brother Love. Yeah, Bruce Pritchard, who uh, he was now the, the head of both SmackDown and Raw as of this week. Yeah, yeah figure that one out. But Paul Heyman also... got demoted. Yeah, um, but yeah, he's on his way down to the ring with um, Brother Love, and yeah, he starts the match off with uh, Bret Hart, which the two of them would actually have some pretty great matches uh, down the line, so it's nice to see uh, Taker, like, on TV, like, uh, his first, like, exchange with someone was with, with uh, Bret Hart. And, Absolutely, uh, and just real quick to kind of jump in again, talking about more modern stuff, but Taker and, Taker and Bret, I don't know if you saw... Um, Taker did an interview, I think, with the ESPN about the Montreal Screwjob recently, and yeah. uh, they, you know, they asked him about all that stuff. And Taker said he holds guilt in his in his mind because he felt he could have done more. Um, he could have. He feels that whole situation could have been avoided if um, he kind of stepped up and said to Vince, or if he knew about it. Um, yeah. Instead, it was Taker and Brett, um, and Brett, you know, dropped the title to Taker, and then Taker would drop it to Michaels, 
and basically avoid that whole problem. So he holds a little bit of guilt in that situation. But I mean, I, I think that would have worked. Like Brett would have been down for that. I mean, losing to Taker is, isn't that. Yeah. Yeah, um, I just it looks like they just maybe Michaels wouldn't have liked it. Or Vince was doing a power trip possibly where he's like, No, bro, it's my promotion. You're gonna drop the title how I say. So maybe that's yeah. why it didn't go down. Yeah, and uh obviously, yeah, that uh, the Undertaker's last ride series uh, got released um a few weeks back and it was a great series. Um it's really good. I know we're starting to have guests on the podcast, uh Kevin, but Man, if ever we got the Undertaker, <laughs> oh my God, yeah, the Undertaker would be amazing. I would take the uh, the Underfaker at this point. <laughs> be like, how do you, how do you feel being the Underfaker? You'd be the how do you feel being the uh, the Gray Undertaker while the other the real Purple Undertaker was facing off against you? <laughs> oh, uh, it was a uh, prime time, Brian Lee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know like, that. Be? Yeah. <laughs> One day it'd be fun. Uh, can we get a uh, can we get fake uh, fake razor? That'd be fun. He's dead. <laughs> uh, we'll do. Is there any psychic mediums out there? Or we can get fake Diesel. That's Kane. <laughs> oh, jeez, man. Can we get a fake that's not a Hall of Famer or dead? One or the other. Jeez, Louise. Oh, All right. Anyway, Luke so <laughs> Gall- Luke, Luke, Luke Gallows. <laughs> he was fake Kane. Oh, Oh yeah, that's right. Wow, Luke, dang it, Luke Gallows is man, he's probably too popular now too. Um, yeah, man, we'll, we'll just have to settle with Vincent. <laughs> <laughs> Personal valet. So yeah, um, so yeah, Taker and Brett starts it off, and uh, Taker hits a choke slam, uh, scoop slams Anvil, and yeah, first elimination comes where he gets Coco, and we first uh, we see for the first time ever he hits the uh, tombstone. Um, so Coco's out first. Uh, Anvil hits a power slam on Honky to eliminate him secondly. And yeah, um, did you notice the young referee outside, Shane Stevens? I did not. How about that? Do you know who Shane Stevens is? No. Shane McMahon. That's what I was going to say. I'm looking at him. Literally, I'm watching this as we're talking right now. When you said Shane Stevens, I was like, that actually looks a lot like Shane McMahon. So I don't, I don't know who that guy is. I'm watching, yeah. uh, well, he's for a lot of this, he's standing next to Brother Love, so um, it's fine, kind of funny seeing Pritchard and uh, you know, Shane O'Mac. Yeah, he paid his dues, he helped like with ring crew and everything like that, and he refereed a lot of these early matches. And this is back in 1990, he didn't really become an on screen character till uh, 98, uh, to, to my um beliefs. Uh, so he's he was working with them for a long time, and even like Stephanie. She would like model like the t-shirts and like the WWE like magazines and things like that. Probably model a lot of Macho Man shirts. Oh, mm. <laughs> <Ooh>, yeah, Bazinga! <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, getting off that awful possible joke, um, the so was Shane Stevens like his uh, like like kind of like a gimmick name as a referee? Yeah, yeah. So gotcha. uh, just so yeah. <laughs> Third elimination comes when uh, the Anvil's in control of DiBiase and he uh, runs the ropes, but Virgil uh, grabs his leg and it allows uh, DiBiase just to hit a uh, simple clothesline to uh, get the win. Yes. Hooray. <laughs> Roddy calls uh, Brother Love Blubber Love. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's funny. And uh, next fall comes when uh, Taker hits a uh, top rope clothesline on uh, to Dusty. 
Man, he's so acrobatic. I mean, well, like, not acrobatic. That's a lie. He's just, for how big he is, he can move really well. I'm not about to say he's ever done flips, because he doesn't, but... Still, yeah, I mean, for a guy his size, when you see him do old school and moves like that, it's amazing how he can do it, like, the, the size of him. <laughs> so um, I think the last yeah. time he did old school was the pay-per-view I was at. I think it was Extreme Rules uh, 2019, maybe. It was yeah. the match after the Saudi Arabia one that he did with Goldberg. Um, oh, God. It was when he teamed up with Reigns against Drew McIntyre and Shane. When I saw him do old school there, I was just like, get the heck out of here. It, like, Because he looked good. He was clearly trying to prove a point by being out there. And I can't believe yeah. his age now. Back then, he did it effortlessly. Yeah, McIntyre, he's supposed to be begging uh, producers and backstage to allow him to have a match with Taker. I would love to see that match again. See, I really, I don't like, <laughs> like I, like I don't really love seeing Drew McIntyre in the ring, um, because oh, I like, I like a little bit of flippy, flippy stuff every once in a while. Like that's why I'm really annoyed Ricochet isn't in any kind of major spot. Um, yeah. But I, like, I, I just, I, it's, it takes a certain person I think to work with Taker at this point. I don't know if Drew and him would be very fun. Be interesting. Well, after um, I know for after they done that tag team match, you mentioned. Uh, Taker praised them to the to backstage. Uh, they uh, so I think the endorsement from Taker finally convinced like you know the higher ups that McIntyre is the guy to go with. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, no, and and uh, that's the thing. Like I like Drew McIntyre a lot. It's just you yeah. know it's just a matter of styles and stuff. Yeah, um, but yeah, then the uh, we get confusing elimination next. Uh, Valentine's in the ring with um, Brett. Uh, which I forgot to mention now, we're down to three to uh, three on one. We're down to Taker, Valentine, and DBRC against Brett. Of course. Or Brett, Valentine... the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be, all alone. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Valentine and Brett's in the ring, but uh, Dusty starts attacking um, Brother Love outside the ring, and they start going up the ramp, and Taker follows him, but Taker gets counted out for some reason. Well, he, he let, you know, he's, uh, well, I guess he's not the legal man, but I, I don't know if the rules specify that you have to be on the apron. Otherwise, you can be counted out, even if you're not tagged, you're the legal man. I don't know. Well, that's one of the rules they said. They said that if a tag team partner leaves the position, uh, that means he's leaving his designated area. So if he leaves it for more than five seconds, it could be DQ'd. I guess that's why they have the uh, the tag rope on the turnbuckle. Yeah. yeah. So... So we'll go. We'll go with that. Which yeah. that will that will come up later on in another match. <laughs> mm. um, but yeah. Uh, so as that happens, uh, Brett uh, Valentine goes to put on the uh, figure four onto Brett, but Brett reverses it into a uh, small package to pin him. And, and then you got a DiBiase. Yeah. First thing I wrote down about this segment: this was fucking awesome between Brett and DiBiase. Oh, it's it's textbook. Textbook babyface that you want to crush the heel, and DiBiase is playing it up in a big way. Yeah, uh, Brett sends DiBiase outside, and then he dives over the rope. Uh, the fans are going mental for Brett during the spit. Um, he, they're cheering on every move, and he hits that turnbuckle spot, which I love. You know when he runs into the turnbuckle, and he hits yeah, it, he like, just runs just straight into it. Oh, uh, and the camera was actually on that corner during this time, and I was like, "No one can take it like Brett." <laughs> yeah, he he goes flat into it and falls flat on his back. Like it's 
it's it's obscene it's obscene how he does it no wonder why he broke his sternum one time although i know he didn't break the sternum doing that move but still yeah um the finish of the match comes when brett goes for a cross body and uh dbrc manages to turn it over for a pinfall for himself and he gets the win and after the free count was made you can see brett mouth the word fuck and he looks proper pissed off <laughs> that's what i was thinking i was like man brett really like i know he yells stuff when he's out there, or like, I guess all of them do to try to, you know, make it authentic. But I didn't think you'd drop the F-bomb on a uh, pay-per-view. But it is pay-per-view. I guess you can get away with it more. <laughs> yeah, you can tell how serious he took it. And this was like f- just four minutes long, this bit between the two. <laughs> the Hartford uh, screw job. <laughs> yeah. He didn't see it coming. That's why he yelled. <laughs> Insert yeah, DiBiase the- maniacal laugh. <laughs> This, um, but yeah, this little exchange between the two of them was like four minutes long, and it was um, great. But I will, I, I will go more in depth into this little segment later on during the awards. Uh, not, I'm not spoiling anything when I say that. <laughs> mm, thank you. The, but yeah, next we see uh, the Vipers in the back. Uh, the Vipers is uh, Jake Snake uh, Roberts with Superfly and the Rockers, and uh, Jake has a white contact in to signify that he's uh, blind in one eye. Yeah, that was a that was a really weird promo for me to watch. I mean, mainly because of Snooka. Snooka made me uncomfortable nearly the whole yeah. time. Um, <laughs> especially after that Dark Side of the Ring episode, it's even more uncomfortable yeah. watching this back. Yeah. Um, but the reason for everyone why uh, Jake is uh, blind in one eye. Uh, so yeah, on a Brother Love show, uh, Rick Martel blinded him with his uh, arrogance spray. And uh, brilliant, but fortunately, one year later, uh, Jake will recover full sight in that eye, even though it's impossible. Yeah, (laughs) it it comes back, it's just like a bad suntan. That's all, that's all it is, I guess, in the WWE universe. (laughs) Out next, it's the uh, Visionaries, awesome name. (laughs) Oh, that's a great name, especially with the double pun fat you know martel actually blinded uh jake <laughs> yeah when you think of it like man I, there's no way they were that clever they must have just stumbled into that coincidence it was a great if it was it was a happy coincidence because it's an awesome name uh but yeah rick martel's the team captain uh with his uh on no it's not his jacket he's got the big uh birthday badge what says yes i am a model <laughs> oh that's what a what a great gimmick and uh, he's uh, followed by uh, Power and Glory and the Warlord, who are all managed by uh, Slick. And um, yeah, next out, we've got the Vipers. Uh, good fan reactions. Uh, Warlord starts the match off. Um, Piper calls Warlord a, a walrus with his uh, t- mustache. <laughs> t- Way to I'll go, t- Piper. I'll tell you what I do like. I do, I do like the. We was only about the last show. After he takes off all the stupid like Kano mask gear and that, he's got Waller's got a really good look. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't think there's anything you can really come at him about. I mean, he he looks good. It's just I, I I have to laugh at his little scepter that he carries. It's it's so ridiculous. Lord Zed. <laughs> yeah, he looks like Lord Zed from uh, the Power Rangers. <laughs> all, he, all he's missing is uh, Rita, Rita Repulsa. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, at the start of that job, it's uh, HBK, and um, well, I, I don't think we're allowed to call him HBK yet, are we? So we'll just refer to him as Shawn Michaels. Uh, you haven't heard, you haven't earned that nickname yet. <laughs> um, no, not quite yet. No. 
But yeah, it's uh, Sean Michaels and Rick Martel starts things off, and uh, Sean tags in there, uh, Jake. And every time Jake gets in the ring with Martel, Martel just runs away and like dives straight out to the ring, which I loved. Oh, yeah, that's pure, that's living the gimmick. <laughs> and yeah, first of all, comes when uh, Marty dives off the top rope, and the Warlord catches him with a pretty sweet power slam, gets the elimination. Uh, it's great elimination. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a good way to start it off. And, uh, yeah, not long after this, uh, second elimination comes when uh, Superfly, he goes for a reverse crossbody as well, and Martel reverses it into a uh, pinfall, and, yeah, that gets the uh, one, two, three. Uh, so, very quick eliminations in this match. Uh, we're down to four to two quite quick. Uh, Jake comes in after Snooker gets eliminated, but Martel manages to uh, escape again, so he uh, manages to get away from it. Mm-hmm. Now, this is really good because I'm just looking at the competitors. I have it on while we're talking, and uh, it's just an obscenely good set of people. I mean, obviously, you know, you have Jake, who has always been such a showman, and then Marty Jannetty before he was awful, um, yeah. <laughs> and the tank that is the warrior, I mean, or the warlord. I mean, that's, it's it's certainly, it's a good match. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, um, as we uh, get back to it, um, so, yeah, Shawn Michaels and Paul Roma's in the ring for a bit. Um, for some reason, Piper, you always seem to call Paul Roma, Romeo Roma. <laughs> uh, I remember I remember that as a child as well. <laughs> um, <Not> very creative. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, uh, the heels start taking over now. Uh, obviously, it's fourth day, but they take over. They keep making quick tags. And yeah, next elimination comes uh, but for Shawn Michaels. He gets hit by the uh, awesome powerplex, the uh, top rope superplex by... Hercules, and then followed by a top rope splash by Paul Roma onto Shawn Michaels, and that gets to the one, two, three, and we're down to uh, four to one. Uh, fans get really behind Jake uh, during this bit. Oh yeah, I mean that's not surprising. Everyone, everybody's got to love Jake the Snake, especially with his little white eye, because there's a lot of sympathy in the fact that he's been blinded, and you just want to hate Rick Martel. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, end of the match comes. Uh, Jake manages to hit the uh, DDT on the Warlords. Uh, but the ref is distracted by Power and Glory, and uh, Martel comes in and tries to spray arrogance again into uh, Jake's uh, working eye, I suppose. Uh, but not this time, sir. <laughs> nope. Jake, uh, what do you call it, manages to uh, get Damien, and he starts uh, chasing uh, Martel up the ramp, and he gets counted out, and uh, he gets counted out, but Martel doesn't. <laughs> um, yeah, which, of course, of course. Another so, fallacy in logic. Yeah, but yeah, clean sweep for the visionaries, and this was actually the first time it happened in the Survivor Series uh, history. So, all four members is on the way to the uh, grand final. So, good win for the heels. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't, I did not see all four getting there, but uh, I mean, I guess it's good to you know kind of mix it up like that. Yeah, and uh, another side note, I'm gonna have to say as well, this was a pretty shit year for the Rockers. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, because the last pay-per-view we were, we reviewed, um, Shawn Michaels was, like, barely a participant. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, all four pay-per-views now of 1990, like, at Rumble, uh, the first pay-per-views were Rumble, and both of them was probably in the ring for a combined two minutes together before getting eliminated. Yeah, uh, WrestleMania, they both lost against the uh, Orient Express. Uh, they lost against Power Glory at SummerSlam. A few weeks before this, they actually won the tag team titles from the Heart Foundation. Um, the match was recorded, but what happened during the match? The ropes broke, and 
instead of uh, redoing it, uh, what uh, Vince McMahon said, oh, we'll just scrap it and we'll keep the titles on uh, the Hart Foundation. Uh, Shawn Michaels said that he heard that the Hart Foundation politicked their way to keep the titles. Uh, that's not true. What actually happened? Brett was actually pu- uh, promised a push, a uh, singles push. And um, basically, Neidhart's contract was coming up. But after the match, Neidhart agreed like a contract extension. Mm-hmm. So they thought, instead of redoing the match and everything, we'll just keep the titles on the Hart Foundation. So that's why the Rockers wasn't recognized as tag champs. So, yeah, so they won the tag champs. They won the tag titles, but they didn't get recognized. And then at Survivor Series, both got eliminated. So, yeah, 1990 was a pretty shit year for the Rockers. And what makes it even funnier, during the match, uh, Roddy Piper actually said that the 90s was going to be the decade for the Rockers. <laughs> didn't quite work out that way. <laughs> no, that, that, that'll soon be over within two years. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Speaking of Piper, we go back to uh, Gorilla and Piper. And uh, <laughs> Piper is just sweating that much. And he's wiping himself off with a towel. And he's saying, I'm dying. I'm dying. <laughs> Clearly, yeah. It's either the tension or that other thing you mentioned at the beginning of the show. <laughs> What the... <laughs> I'm not going to well, call it by its name. It's ugly, ugly, addictive name. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, next up we see, uh, oh, I love this promo, uh, Sean Minis with the Hulkamaniacs. Dedicating this match to all the men and women all over the world who are all Hulkamaniacs, man, serving and fighting for our country, but especially the men and the women over there in the Middle East right now, brother, that are hanging on and fighting for all of us, brother. And as far as I'm concerned, President Bush, as soon as the Survivor Series is over and me and my Hulkamaniacs prove that we are really survivors, if you need an extra little heavy artillery or if you need any kind of help, brother, we volunteer our services, man. And as far as I'm concerned, Saddam Hussein, what you gonna do when my team of survivors runs wild on you? All right, back to you, gorilla. (laughs) Oh, of course, the Hulkamaniacs. Uh so yeah, Hulkamaniacs is Hulk Hogan, the big boss man, Jim Duggan, and uh, the tugboat. Whoop, whoop. Uh, <laughs> Shockmaster? <laughs> Shockmaster. Uh, I like that Jim Duggan's got some nice little uh, gold ribbons on his uh, 2 by 4 Well, he, he likes to accessorize. <laughs> America America loves accessories. I'll be uh, splicing so it. So do <laughs> <on> Jim Duggan. <laughs> I'll be splicing this promo in, but my uh, my favorite part was that uh, Hulk Hogan was dedicating the match to the troops, and then he uh, made a personal message to uh, George Bush. Uh, not the second one, the first one. <laughs> oh yeah. He, was, he said, "After we're done with the match, we're going to volunteer ourselves to fight on the front line." <laughs> I would. How awesome would it be to see Hulk Hogan and the Hulkamaniacs on the front line in the Middle East? <laughs> oh, it'd be amazing. I mean. Uh... It, you know, of course, you would think it's for a, U- a USO show, but no, no, no. This is this is this is legitimate stuff. This, you're talking about captain and and general material here for the Hulkamaniacs. It would have it would have been great. After oh, he said absolutely. That. You know, can you imagine if he said that? And we we're gonna volunteer ourselves on the troops, brother. I would love it if someone like Tugboat said, "Are we?" I signed up for a match. <laughs> Like I'm tugboat. Where there's war in the Middle East, there's not a lot of water there. I'm 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 out, guys. Like <laughs> tugboat out and just walks away. 
So yeah, next up we see it's the uh, natural disasters against uh, the Hulkamaniacs. The natural disasters is the earthquake, uh, Dino Bravo, um, Barbarian, and Haku. Um, Haku is actually a replacement for uh, Rick Rude. Rick Rude was originally meant to be in his match, but he left WWE a few weeks before and uh, about page disputes. I think we mentioned it in the last show. Also in the archives. <laughs> mm, okay. Good old Rick Rude, uh, man. Because when you think of Rick Martel's character, I immediately think of someone like Rick Rude. I go, well, even though Rick Martel was awesome, it, I guess it wasn't all that unique because there's a lot of self-obsessed body guys. Yeah. He done, and he done the gimmick well as well uh, when he done his uh, dashing gimmick, Cody Rhodes. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that gimmick. <laughs> it was a good one. It was a good one. That was like right when I kind of like came into came back into wrestling. Yeah. I think it was uh, right before next... uh that was like right around the time of with him and Sandal, right? Rhodes Scholars. Just before then, yeah. He done the uh well it was just after uh, Legacy. And he done yeah. the dashing, then he done the undashing where he was wearing like a basically a plastic mask. because uh, he oh, broke yeah. his nose. That was a great gimmick. and then he done um, then he started teaming with uh Team Rhodes Scholars. So um I like Cody Rhodes. Uh so he's doing well in AEW. Uh so yeah. Um so yeah, uh, next up we see it's uh, Tugboat. Uh, did you get a chance to listen to the hear the uh, Tugboat's theme? I mean, I've, I mean, I've heard it. I don't know if it's a different one than the one I'm, I've heard before, where it just sounds well, like a lot of choo- like, like you know, steam whistle. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll spice it in, but all what I kept thinking was like Final Fight or Streets to Rage. <laughs> that's what oh, it really? like to me. Like you know, dun 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 dun. <laughs> that's all I could hear. <laughs> I was like Streets to Rage, maybe Final Fight. Um, oh wow. It's a pop. It gets a pop. Uh, Hacksaw gets a stupid big pop again. It's normal. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> As he comes out, Roddy says that uh, you know we're in the greatest country in the world, and uh, we got the greatest troops. I'm thinking Canadian, Scottish. <laughs> like, well, come on, you, America, you know this. Yeah, but he's not. He's not American, <laughs> Roddy. As, as far as as far as we're aware, he's American. <laughs> <laughs> you live Even in though we clearly he comes out to bagpipes. Yeah, Canadian portraying Scottish person. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, boss one's out next, and yeah, he's followed by the the immortal one, Hulk Hogan. Uh, big reaction as normal, and um, first thing I know as well, I just wrote down the amount of mass in this ring. Tons, tons. I mean, good old Tugger. Um, there was there was a lot of body mass, a lot of steroids was used during this match. Oh, they were yeah. they were not stingy with the old uh, HGH, if you know what I mean here. Yeah. And yeah, uh, quick elimination to begin with. So to start the match, it's uh, Jim Duggan and Haku. Uh, Bossman tugs in, and yeah, first elimination comes when Bossman hits the uh, Bossman slam onto uh, Haku. So he's out there uh, quite early. Mm-hmm. You know, real quick that. Um... What's his name? Haku or Meng or whatever. He, uh, whatever you want to call him. They like, tradi- like historically, he's known as the toughest guy ever in the business. Or the yeah. like, if you if you threw every tough wrestler you can think of in a ring together, like if you threw Lesnar in, 
you threw uh, like the warlord, you threw Lufez, all these guys. They they're like, listen, Meng's the one who's coming out alive, and it's almost universal. And it blows my mind. I never see. I don't think that when I see him. Yeah, um, I've heard stories of him like in bar fights with like policemen and things like that. And yeah, they said he backed uh, Andre down. <laughs> that was yeah, it. if you can back Andre down, I mean, come on, like. They, like, like, just okay. Just one quick one, and I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you probably heard these stories. But to me, this is a goofy one where supposedly there's a, you know, there's a bar fight, and you know he gets a, he ends up getting arrested by one of the officers, and I guess he's going along with the arrest at this point. He's just, you know, whatever. Yeah. Which, you know, that's weird to say considering once you're in cuffs, you're not really going along with it. You're in cuffs. But supposedly yeah. he, you know, an officer decided to just, you know, he's in cuffs, and officer decided to provoke him a little bit. And apparently Meng, just to prove a point, like, puts his wrists up and then snaps the cuffs in half. (laughs) (laughs) I was When I heard that, I was like, yo, what do you do if you're a cop? Do you put your hand on your on your holster right away? Like, (laughs) that's horrifying. (laughs) He's a he's a bad man. So, uh, yeah, Yeah. I don't want to mess with him. He's a he's a bad man. You don't mess with Meng. That's for sure. And uh, yeah, second elimination comes when um, well Duggan gets eliminated when he um, chases Jimmy Hart around the ring, uh, comes in with a two by four, hits Earthquake. That's not enough to eliminate, uh, get him disqualified. But then he takes a swing at the referee, and that is enough to get him disqualified. <laughs> you, well, you gotta have uh, you gotta have limits here, James. You gotta you know you gotta have rules and uh, <laughs> referees. You can't touch those little scrawny guys. Yep. So we're down to um, Hogan Bravo. Uh, Earthquake, Tugboat, and uh, Barbarian. And yeah, not long after uh, Duggan gets eliminated, um, Hulk pins uh, Dino Bravo with a uh, small package. So yeah, Hulk Hogan busts out a wrestling move. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he gets eliminated. And yeah, um, yeah. soon after, uh, Earthquake eliminates uh, Big Boss Man. So we're down to uh, two on two. Earthquake goes up for a um, splash on Hogan, but he misses. Hogan tugs, uh, tags into the Tugboat. And yeah, hip uh, took about an earthquake basically brawls to the outside, and both men get counted out. So we're down to the final two uh, Hulk Hogan and Barbarian. Barbarian hits his uh, top rope clothesline finisher, goes for one, two, but Hulk Hogan hooks up, and you of know course. the rest. Punch, punch, big boot, leg drop. Hogan must pose. <laughs> oh, of course. I mean, that's that's classic Hogan uh, wrestling. <laughs> Hulk <laughs> we up, see, uh, leg. Pose, boom, make money. That's not that's <laughs> not gonna work for me, brother. Uh, <laughs> we see, um, so yeah, we see a quick graphic for a one ball, and then uh, we see uh, we go to the ramp and we see uh, Macho Man, and he's with uh, Gene Oakland. Uh, yeah, Macho Man with his red and white candy cane outfit. Uh, talks wow. about the Ultimate Warrior, calls him uh, the Ultimate Chicken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the Ultimate Chicken. That's what I think. <laughs> I love I love Macho Man. He can wear any outfit. He he makes it work, man. Yeah, I miss the fact that he's not actually wrestling tonight. That's a shame, but uh, it's just Isn't nice stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, at least he's getting some promo time. But yeah, he basically calls him the Ultimate Chicken, and he's just on about wanting to uh, take uh, Ultimate Warrior's uh, title. So um, yeah, good promo by him. And yeah, next up we see um, the, yeah it's the Alliance against the uh, Mercenaries. Uh, the, the faces for the alliance is Nikolai Folkov, Tito Santana, and the Bushwhackers. I love the fact that 
in this match, <laughs> the only face in the match, uh, the only American in the match is actually part of the heel side. It's <laughs> Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> yeah, isn't that a little? That's that's a that's definitely a tough one for the home crowd. Yeah, they go like, they go like oh no, what do we do? Maybe the, maybe what they're trying to say is that America's so awesome that we've even got foreigners supporting us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I guess yeah, I guess that's the way we can think of it there. <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, mercenaries is out next, and uh, Slaughter with Boris Sukov and the Orient Express, and uh, Slaughter cuts a promo. But uh, the one thing I did uh, notice for that uh, Tanaka from the Orient Express, he's got uh, because all four of them's got a uh, camo on. Tanaka actually looks pretty damn awesome with a camo. Oh yeah, looking here because uh, yeah, because I guess they all ended up with camo and even Fuji. Yeah, <laughs> Which and is uh, pretty. They they definitely committed to that. I'll give them that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, basically. Um, sorry. Uh, yeah, basically, Sachin Slaughter uh, cuts a promo and uh, he shits on the uh, troops uh, in the Middle East and yeah, praises uh, Saddam Hussein. So just getting uh, cheap heat from the crowd. Oh yeah, that that's an easy pop from the American crowd for sure. And um, yeah, uh, we started the match off, and this match was very forgettable. It was just a lot of quick eliminations. Uh, over in the room, Tito Santana eliminates Sukov pretty much straight away with a flying forearm. Um, then Bushwhacker Butch um, pins Sato, and then Tito uh, pins Tanaka. So. We're down to four and one again, uh, but this time it's four faces against one heel. We've got um, Tito, the Bushwhackers, and <laughs> I've lost them. Who the fuck's the other face? I'm watching right now, and I'm just like, wait, wait, wait I got to look at the apron. Um... Who the fuck's the other face? Volkov. <laughs> oh, Volkov! Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> sorry. Right now, he's on the ground. Um... So yeah, we're down. To... <laughs> I hate talking over myself again. <laughs> so yeah, we're down to four and one. It's weird because we got four faces against one heel. So on the faces, we got Tito Santana, Polkov, and the Bushwhackers still. And on the remaining heel on the uh, mercenary side is um, Sergeant Slaughter. Uh, but yeah, but we do see some quick eliminations. Uh, Slaughter pins um, Polkov, pins both uh, Luke and Butch of the Bushwhackers straight after each other. Uh, so they're trying to pit him over strong, like uh, even though he's the remaining heel on his side, he's actually like pinning three guys in the row by himself. Well, it's kind of important to do because this is, uh, I mean, this was not long after Slaughter. It was just like, all right, I'm I'm done with America. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you're walking uh, yeah. around with the Iron Sheik, that's uh, or is that the Sheik? It does the Sheik, right? Uh, it's not the Sheik. It's, it's General Adnan, but the Sheik does uh, join them eventually underneath a uh, different moniker. We'll, see, we'll be seeing that at SummerSlam '91. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because I just saw the uh, the uh, I just saw the flag, and I was like, okay, that's the Sheik. But then I looked, I was like, that's not the Sheik. <laughs> Sorry, it was a it was a wide shot. It wasn't very close up. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So once you but once you kind of go that direction, you're like, yeah, you're Sergeant Slaughter, and you betray America. Yeah, you got to make this guy look pretty beastly since it was you know so recent. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, yeah, end of the match comes. Uh, Tito hits the uh, flying forearm onto Slaughter, but General Adnan comes in, hits uh, Tito with a flag. Uh, it should be noted during this time the ref was down, but he can still see most of this. Um, Sergeant Slaughter gets the camel clutch onto Tito, ref breaks it up. Uh, Sergeant Slaughter celebrating, he thinking he's won, and then uh, Howard Finkel comes to an announcement 
uh, the winner of the match uh, due to disqualification and Tio Santana and uh, Big Pop. That was such crowd. a great twist. Oh, that was yeah. so good because I'm ready to sit there as a fan and I go, oh, I can't believe that he's going to win this cheater. And then he goes, Tito. And I'm like, yo, they did the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> so thankfully, I saw that really well. Thankfully, a face won this because otherwise it would have been like six heels to two baby faces, which uh, Warrior and Hogan still probably would have won. <laughs> oh, I, oh my God! Are you kidding me? Absolutely. I wonder why it still wasn't four and four though. Was it like right? Uh, could you imagine if like uh, DiBiase had the team with uh, Hulk Hogan to even up the teams? <laughs> or was it? Oh, that because in the, in the wrestling bubble, like it, they don't believe themselves as bad guys. <laughs> so, oh, not at all. In their universe, so, they're justified. Yeah. So how do they like decide who is on whose team? <laughs> you know, that's a that's a great question. Unless um, unless it was part of the I guess the heel gimmick for some of them to go, I'm going to be on Hogan and Warriors team, and then yeah. they just do whatever they can to sabotage the match. Yeah, can you imagine something like Rick Martel thinking, fucking hell, I want, to, I, I want to win the main event. I'm teaming up with Hogan and Warrior. Fuck you, visionaries. I'm off. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'd be like, I mean, that's such a weaselly heel thing to do. Just be like, listen, I know I'm supposed to be, I, like, I roll with you guys. But no offense, Warrior and Hulk, they happen to win a lot. And I'm kind of into myself. So I'm going to join that team. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it sticks with the heel persona even though you're helping the baby faces so it kind of works all around that's a good choice <laughs> but yeah uh, we go backstage and we see uh, Sean Mooney and he's with uh, the heels in question the visionaries and uh, Ted DiBiase uh, Martel cuts a good pro Martel cuts a good promo and Ted DiBiase does a good promo um, what I forgot to mention as well that uh, the following night on the main event uh, DiBiase is going to be challenging the warrior for the WWF title mm-hmm. and he hypes that up but at the same time he mentions that he uh, brings back uh, Hogan and Warrior how he doesn't think they're going to work together because of their uh, title match they had at Wrestlemania 6 so uh, it was just a um, good little promo by uh, DiBiase and um, <coughs> sorry and yeah uh, next up we see uh, the highlight of the night the <laughs> oh, we see the, my god what a surprise <laughs> <laughs> Talk about laying an egg. Yeah. <laughs> Gene Oakland's on stage with a big massive egg. He teases that could be a bunny, could be balloons, could be the Playboy bunny of the month, which got a big cheer from the crowd. <laughs> it's like, well, we love to disappoint people. The egg opens. Now, before I do the big reveal, there was rumors that Brick Flair was going to bust out of the egg, and this is yeah. how they was going to debut him. <laughs> that would have been insane. He would have popped uh, was... out of there with his robe half open, <laughs> just exposing himself to the crowd. Uh, there was talk. That, I don't know if it was true. It was on about like before they gave the Undertaker gimmick to uh, Mark Callis, like he was going to come out of this egg. And I'm thinking, really? <laughs> Same so... Ric Flair would have been the Undertaker. <sighs> you don't know. <laughs> I don't believe that. Like, I it's, can't believe for a second they would give one of the most charismatic workers the Undertaker gimmick. Like, the no, guy that's saying, you know, jet flying, limousine riding, kiss stealing, wheeling dealing, son of a gun. That guy, can you imagine him doing an Undertaker promo? You limiting uh, him to an Undertaker promo? <laughs> no, there was all about giving the uh, take a different gimmick to bust out the egg. Like, oh, Ric Flair okay. was. Yeah, okay. Ric Flair I was. I thought you were saying take, Ric Flair was going to be Taker. 
<laughs> oh no. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. God. All right. I was <laughs> I was freaking out. I was like, I've never heard that one before, but that's it's an absurd. But okay, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they was gonna give like take like a different type of gimmick, you would bust out the egg. Um <laughs> And then there was on about like uh, Ric Flair being Ric Flair coming out of the egg, but the, the contracts wasn't in place. Um, so yeah, so in the end up, we got the uh, Gobbly Gooker and... Oh, oh, there it is! What, what is it? What? what in a world? I love oh, it! <laughs> to say this is the PG era crowd, the amount of booze this got. <laughs> oh, it was horrible. It was so bad. Like, I know we look back on it and say, man, that was that was terrible. Like, why? Because because I, I don't know what their what their purpose was. Like, do, do we know what their purpose was? Like, it was it to just be a goofy thing. Did they expect it to actually be a competitor? Like what? I, I think there was plan on them being like a mascot of some sorts. He would go around schools and events and like promote WWF. That's. That's obscene because there's not even anything WWF about it. It's just a giant turkey. Yeah, and uh, you hear the gobbledygooker. He's talking to uh, Gene. He's going goggle, 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 and all I can. And he asks uh, Gene to dance, and uh, Gene's like, "Oh no, I'm not. Uh, I I can't dance." All I can imagine though is Vince McMahon screaming in the in Mean Gene's ear. I said dance, god damn it. I can't do this if you're a life crowd. Dance now, god damn it. <laughs> if you don't dance, it won't get over. <laughs> I can imagine, and he gets uh, Gene Oakland to dance in the ring with him. I can imagine Vince McMahon is pissing himself laughing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> really? <'Cause laughs> the, the problem is that he clearly, um, he definitely was back there giggling because at, at one point the dancing became so absurd, which probably, thank God, Gene Oakland did because it started to not be booed anymore. It just wasn't liked. Um, so it was progress, I guess. Um, yeah. but my God, was that terrible? And real quick, I gotta, I gotta pop this in there because I, f- I forgot to mention it as my own little, my own little fact. If I recall properly, you can, you can, uh, cross-reference me on this if you like. But when Undertaker's, uh, appearance, if I remember right, he, he was originally called Kane, right? Kane the Undertaker. That's, that's correct, yeah. Yeah, then later on, of course, when, you know, uh, you know, Kane came in, um, you know, his, his brother Kane, the Demon Kane, um, they were like, all right, let's go back to the well. Let's use that name that we kind of abandoned uh, for The Undertaker, and we'll uh, call his brother Kane. Yeah, and uh, Bruce Pritchard actually came up with a Kane gimmick, uh, yeah. and he actually na- he actually named his son Kane. Yeah, 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 that's right. I remember re- I remember hearing about that during the uh, Something to Wrestle With uh, podcast. Yeah, I, don't, I haven't listened to that for a while. I don't know if they've done the Kane episode yet, but hopefully they have, and I can get around to listening. I haven't listened to some of the rest of for a long time. I've been too busy with my own stuff. <laughs> trying oh, to make sure. My I, own pod- I trying to make my own podcast a success. <laughs> I, the last so, one I remembered is the is the uh, the one he did on Sonny, uh, Tammy Sitch. Oh, that was a good one. That was a very good one. That's where you learn that, according to Sammy or Sammy Sonny's book, that Shawn Michaels is a very interesting fetish which i thought was really funny uh, yeah. <laughs> i guess that's for another day i don't know well we will we will eventually get to that when we get to 1996 <laughs> oh absolutely man what, um, a, what a sad group of baby faces that are in the final match right now yeah um, three of them 
Well, Sean Mooney's with Hogan Warrior and Tito. The, f- the thing I wrote, I feel so sorry for Tito Santana. <laughs> oh yeah, my God! It's like he was the, he got a consolation prize. You have you have Hogan going nuts on the microphone. You have Warrior uh, scowling like a possum with his mouth wide open, going ah, <laughs> <laughs> while not saying anything audible yeah. while Hogan's freaking out. And then you have Tito just breathing. Really hard, excited to be at the party. Like <laughs> he was, ju- he was just in the background. And warriors and the size of warrior is so big. <laughs> All you can see is Tito's just trying to pop his little head out, trying to get noticed. I felt so sorry for him. <laughs> Absolutely, and like it, it, it's so bad. Like Tito's on mic, and like clearly the camera guy had to move at a different angle just yeah. so that warrior could get out of the frame. And like it's like. The warrior had no interest in not being square in the front of that shot. Like, he, like it, it's so indicative of who that guy was as that character. Yeah. <laughs> I'm watching it right now, and Hogan just made this face while flexing. It's the funniest thing. And that's what Hogan's always done. But, uh, you know, you know, old school promos from the 90s. It's just oh, different chronicle now. <laughs> yeah, it's a different phrase. Uh, but, yeah, it's time for the main event. So, the heels, uh, just to remind everyone, we've got Rick Martel, Power and Glory, the Warlord, Ted DiBiase. Uh, they're taking on Hulk Hogan, actually, comes out first. <laughs> Only for his team. I was fucking shocked. I was too, because, you know, normally you think he's the one who's going to, you know, he's the cleanup hitter. He's going to bring down the house as the final uh, entrant. Yeah, and uh, Tito Santana coming out after, like, Hulk Hogan during the main event. <laughs> he was on Cloud Nine. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Uh, and then yeah warrior comes out and like i said again that white belt i would i don't buy belts uh, but i look at that white belt and forget i would love to have one of them just to collect it oh that's yeah uh, that's a great one and yeah um tito hits the flying forearm straight away on warlord to eliminate him so i was a bit upset with that because i was like oh man i like warlord yeah warlord's good i mean I, yeah eh, someone had to be the first sacrificial lamb i probably would have picked someone from power and glory but you know yeah eh. um um, but yeah, not long after this, Ted DiBiase, he, um, Vodica hits basically the uh, stun gun on Tito to uh, get him out, so he's eliminated, and uh, heels take control of Hogan, and uh, with quick tags, and yeah, uh, Power and Glory, with their awesome powerplex finisher, they hit it on Hulk Hogan, but guess what? Nothing. He hulks up! <laughs> Kicks out, hits a little clothesline on Paul Roman to eliminate him. <laughs> of course. You can't you can't beat early nineties Hogan. You're not gonna beat him unless you got a unless you got a, a couple sledgehammers in succession, <laughs> wielded by I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. No one no one can really take him down. <laughs> He's great. Uh, Hogan tags in the warrior, takes control, and then he uh, quickly tags back in the Hogan and uh, Hogan sends uh, Martel out the ring and then Martel just basically just walks away, he gives up. <laughs> I, I loved it. <laughs> to be oh, honest, it's, it's amazing. It, it, it's in his character. He's like, oh, fuck it. I know what's going to happen. <laughs> I might as well save myself the pain. He's like, I'm kind of in this for me. And you know what? I got to tell you, it was fun. Not that fun. I'm not going to stick around. <laughs> <laughs> Hogan, it's the uh, leg drop on there. DBLC to eliminate him. And then, yeah, Warrior wins the match when he hits the uh, splash on Hercules. And uh, 
as he's uh, pinning Hercules, Hogan can't help himself. He's like, right, I need to get into the ring for this final pinfall. And he makes the free count himself also. That's pretty... I mean, it's over, but that's so Hogan. Like, I mean, that between these two guys, I, I can't imagine the egos between these two guys this whole time. Like, yeah. the need to get into the spot. I mean, even just watching that promo with Tito, like, it's... They, they were constantly ja- like jarring to be the top guy in at all times so it's 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 fascinating well i love how they um celebrate afterwards so they both celebrate in the ring and then hogan like holds the rope open for warrior and warrior walks over and he's like yeah 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 and then he holds the ropes open for hogan instead of hogan going straight out just like what warrior was going to do hogan starts celebrating with the crowd and he makes Warrior sit in the ropes like an idiot for like 10 or 12 seconds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Warrior's supposed to be your champion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And now, rightly or wrongly, right, how Hogan does it, Hogan knows how to get over. Oh, he my knows, God, yeah. He knows perfectly. He's the master politician when it comes to wrestling, right? So as much as people hate him, which, yeah, people's got right to hate him at times. And, you know, he's done what he's done, blah, blah, blah. But he knows how to get himself over better than anyone and to make the champions sit there waiting for him i'm like fair play to him and the camera pans to both their asses as the show closes <laughs> i i mean what what else is there to say after this it's like we'd had such a good match we can close on some uh you know some bottoms and we're good and you'll you'll still love it thoughts <laughs> <laughs> on the pay-per-view uh kevin I remember really liking it because um, I watched it. I, I watched it a couple of weeks ago, and I still have my notes and everything. But um, even as I'm like skimming through it while we're talking, just to match up with what we uh, what we're going over, I liked it a lot. Mainly, honestly, the reason why I liked it the most is because I really like the old style of Survivor Series, which they don't really do anymore. So yeah. I, I I love the idea if they kind of go back to that gimmick, even though you have to kind of suspend some of the logic to some degree in order to do it. And when I say spend, I mean, like, it's going to be hard to put teams together that anyone cares about um, yeah. in, like, five different matches. Um, mm. And not having any of the title belts on the line really is kind of bothersome. Although I guess you could do it still. Um, like, whoever gets the final pin gets this title or that title, I suppose. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, so, that was good. Yeah, I've got some questions about that, which we'll get to in a bit. But... Uh, First up, everyone's favorite, the awards. Yeah. First award, Mike Kevin, your moment of the night. My moment of the night. Let's see here. Um, I'm trying. To, I'm looking at my notes and seeing if there's things that stood out to me in particular. I mean that right now, like it's like the dumbest thing ever. But Hogan's face during that last promo was killing me. But I mean, I like I gotta say, Taker's Taker's you know appearance has got to be the biggest one. I mean, he came in and yeah. made a huge impression immediately. Like you went, this guy could be the real deal, and obviously he ended up becoming huge. So I uh, like I would feel wrong if I didn't choose him. Or the for the exact opposite reason, which is the Goblet of Gooker being terrible. But I'm going to choose the positive one of the two. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I'm going to agree. Yeah. To be honest, I was split. Uh, there's a couple of awards where I was split on them, but and I was split on this one. But uh, 
only for certain reasons. But yeah, Undertaker debut, that's definitely the moment of the night because with hindsight especially, how, how many people imagined how legendary this guy's career is going to be like 30 years later? No, yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone saw that coming. No way. Uh, next award, your MVP of the night. Um, you know, I actually, I was contemplating this because mind you, these questions that are being asked me right now, I didn't know they were coming. So I am thinking them, the answer's on the spot. Yeah. Even though, of course, Hogan and Warrior look great, I think I have to give it to DiBiase. I think over the course of the whole pay-per-view, his promos were really good, his in-ring work, as it, it just in general is very good, and it usually is, but just... At selling the heel with these baby, like he made Brett look like the biggest baby face ever because he just sells being such a weasel so well. So I'm actually yeah. going to give it to him just because he did more work than someone like Mr. Perfect, even though I think Perfect was great. Um, yeah. And Rick, Rick Martel was good too, but I have to give it to DiBiase. What about you, James? Yeah, Kevin, I'm happy you give it to him because he was one of the contenders who I was going to give it with. Um, there was three contenders, him, Brett, and the person who I'm picking for it, uh, I'm gonna pick uh, Rick Martel. Oh yeah, that's a good one. I I enjoyed him. I enjoyed his uh, pro- promos. He, he, he cut uh, two good promos in but uh, in the first match. I loved how he was just basically the captain of the team, telling everyone what to do. And he was only ever coming into the ring when someone was down. And whenever mm-hmm. Jake came in, he would just try and get away as quick as possible. And the fact that in both matches, he kind of ran away from the match. He was just like yeah. a proper chicken shit eel. Uh, and he surprised me, to be honest, how good he is. Uh, so, yeah, I'll give him... I, I could give it to Brett, but and but I, with, this, uh, with the last show, what I said before, there's going to be plenty of times I'm going to give that to Brett. So uh, I want to give it to people who's not going to be with the company too much longer or who's not going to be as popular as what they are on this show. So yeah. um, give it to Brett. And third award, your match of the night. Um, that's that's also kind of a tough one there because I'm running through my notes. There's one that I I don't remember it being that bad, but I know I I very explicitly said I did not like the match with Rick Martel. Uh, yeah. <laughs> very explicitly said I did not enjoy that. Um, you know, I think the uh, I think the one with uh, Tenta and Hogan was the one I ended up liking the most. Even though it's hard for me to say I didn't like the one that ended with you know the Hard Foundation and DiBiase and stuff. It's yeah. I'm gonna give it to Tenta and Hogan, even though it's I like my heart says I want to say Bret Hart and DiBiase, and that's probably the right answer. But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna stick with it. Er, I'm sticking with it. John Tenta, uh, his team, and Hogan's the Hulkamaniacs. How about you? I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm going the uh, dream team against the million dollar team. Uh, yeah. With everything with Taker's debut, uh, him showing off what he could do, and just that four minute segment between DiBiase and Bret Hart, I loved it. And it's such a shame because not long after this, well, probably um, the, the next, about a year after, uh, DiBiase will soon be tagging with um, IRS. Uh, oh yeah, Money Inc. Uh, so this Irwin is like our shyster. Yeah, and this is kind of going towards the end of his singles career now. And even though Brett will be becoming a single star the following year, they kind of just like miss each other because I would have loved the two of them to be interviewed. Because mm, um, absolutely to see what they've done with this four minutes, 
Brett looked like a fucking superstar in this uh, in this four minutes. The crowd was right behind him. Oh, for and, sure. Uh, it was uh, it was awesome. Uh, so definitely, my match of the night was this, and uh, your mullet of the night. A mullet of the night. Yeah. Um, gobbledygooker. <laughs> <laughs> Without question. Gobbledygooker. Uh, I'm gonna go with um, Paul Roma. Paul Roma had a pretty sweet hairdo tonight. So um, yeah, he did. He certainly did. And that's a bit of a promotional thing because soon I'll be bringing out the YouTube series Underrated and Overlooked, and he's actually going to be the subject for my first video. So, uh, bit of promotion. <laughs> he's yeah, he's gonna like that's like it definitely people listening to this. You should definitely check out those videos because uh, you know these are guys that you either have never heard of, you've barely heard the name of, and you're going to get a little more info about. So, I would uh, certainly. I would certainly push you to go watch that. Aside from the fact that I, you know, I'm invested in it, I'm interested in learning more about Paul Roma because I don't know anything about Paul Roma. Yeah, it's uh, it'd be interesting. So I'm up, I'm looking forward to doing it. And uh, yeah, next uh, Kevin, last segment, we've got a few questions. Uh, first question from UTT Rob. Uh, we kind of mentioned it earlier. Yet. Um, do you miss uh, Survivor Series just purely being like teams uh, in the matches? And not oh. like singles matches. Yeah, I mean, I touched on it already, but absolutely, yeah. I like. I mean, it, maybe if they they mix it up a little bit, maybe they could have a singles match or two. But they still have the element of you know you put them in these teams with these dumb nicknames, and then you uh, have a final match with the winners. I would I'd be a huge fan of all of that. Um, I think they should go back to it. Yeah, I tell you what, I think's diluted it because you can watch like a random episode of SmackDown Raw, and you can see like so many like six men tags or like eight men tags. Yeah, uh, it's less special now. The gimmick is kind of is spread out, like watered down. Whereas in like when you watch these shows, it's like you know Hulk and Maniacs. Oh my god, I can't believe Hulk Hogan's teaming up with the Big Boss Man and the Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Tugboat. Like it was like these kind of like all star teams. Yeah, and uh, that's what I enjoyed. I I do think for what. Because I know they've done the uh, cross-brand war the last uh, couple of uh, shows. Mm-hmm. I do think, and they say, oh, the stakes, who's the superior brand? But it's like, it's make-believe, there's like no stakes to it. But I've always said what they should do. Um, uh, whoever, Whichever brand wins that night gets like the number 30 spot for the Royal Rumble, for example. Oh, sure. That's like kind of, uh, it's kind of like how in Major League Baseball over here they do they use the all-star game. They like usually yeah. the all-star game for a lot of, ba- of a lot of sports are meaningless, but in baseball, usually it's like whatever team wins NL or AL, they get home field advantage in the world series. So I always thought that was kind of a good way to do it. And it'd be good to do it for uh, wrestling as well. Yeah. And uh, one of my favorite survivor series matches was in 2004. It was a uh, team Orton against their uh, team triple H. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, whoever won the match uh, each uh, each team member would have it, would run, uh, be the GM of Raw for that week. Oh, and, okay. Uh, and it was great because because uh, because the t- I won't spoil it in case you want to watch it in the future. I recommend it. it's a great sh- it's a great show. Uh, but the team what won it, each uh, team member was able to run uh, to basically you know run Raw for that week, and like each one of them basically just said, "Oh, I'm gonna put myself in the world title match against Triple H, for example." <laughs> oh, so, yeah, uh, that's brilliant. So, uh, so it was stakes to a match, and uh, one of my all, all-time favorite ones as well was uh, Survivor Series 2003 when it was uh, Team Bischoff against Team Austin, mm. and basically uh, Austin was retired at this point, but he was like uh, co-GM with Eric Bischoff, 
And if Austin's team won, he, he would be allowed to like kick ass whenever he wanted because uh, he was on like a no-touch policy with the wrestlers. But if Bischoff won, then he would be so GM. Mm, and, okay. Uh, uh, so that's what I like. Uh, I like watching these old shows and these old Survivor Series matches because they was unique at the time. But I think if they'd done the Survivor Series these days, they can do one, but there should be a stake. Because uh, that's what wrestling matches need. You need a stake. There's no point having a random match. Uh, so, yeah, Rob, uh, I would love to see the, uh, these shows come back just purely as team matches, but with stakes to them, not just like regular teams. And also... Only do them if you're scrapping six-man and eight-man tags on regular Raw and SmackDowns and make these feel special like all-star teams. Oh, yeah. uh, Yeah, because, I mean, the one... uh, Was it Survivor Series? I can't remember what it was. Years ago, it was was around, like, I think 2014 or 2015, where all these guys were fired by the authority, like Ziggler and Eric Rowan and Ryback and stuff like that, and they had to basically compete to get their jobs back. Yeah, that's it. And uh, that was a pretty sweet one because Sting debuted at the end of it. <laughs> yeah, he did. I mean, I, I guess that's the only way they ended up winning because he popped in. Um, yeah. So that was a good one. Oh, yeah, and Cena lost. I was like, wait, Ziggler's the last one for that team? Not Cena? Not Super Cena? I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, they should have pushed Ziggler after that because he was red hot with the crowd. I was such a Ziggler fan. When, I just got to tell you, I got back into wrestling around 2012, 2013, and I yeah. came in... Like, right, literally, the pay per view I watched when I came back was, I think it was Royal Rumble 2012 or 2013. Whatever it was, is when Ziggler came in at one and Jericho <laughs> came back at two. Um, yeah. I remember that. And then I was like, who's this Ziggler guy? And I was like, well, he's kind of a cocky jerk. I don't know if I like him very much. And not long after, like, he was carrying the money in the bank briefcase with AJ and he had Big E. And then he, when he cashed in on Del Rio and won, I was like, yo, this guy's a, this guy's a star. And he's so good in the ring. He sells great. You should make this guy like perm, like a, a champ for a while. Then he, his, his title run was trash. He lost to Del yeah. Rio, and I hate Del Rio. Hello, this is James from Light Wrestling Podcast. Unfortunately, as I was editing, I noticed the end of our Survivor Series between me and Kevin, for some reason, got deleted somewhere. Um, So, I'm going to have to finish off the uh, episode myself, which we was near the end of the episode anyway, but I'm just going to answer the last question, what was uh, given to the show, and then uh, we'll be done. Um, But yeah, the last question after the uh, Survivor Series question was by Wrestling Through Life, and he asked me if I thought... Uh, Bret Hart's match tonight may, uh, was the turning point for him to start becoming a singles star, which I 100% agree with. Um, the fans' reactions uh, for him was unreal, and Roddy Piper was putting him over so much, hammering at home, saying he was the best technical wrestler in the world, this and that, and uh, it was unbelievable, and it was a great uh, segment, that match, and I said earlier, I would have loved to sin. Bret Hart and uh, DiBiase work a singles match, which would have been awesome. But, yeah, it wasn't to be, I'm afraid. But, yeah, I thought I'd just um, finish this off. Like I said, uh, as I was editing, I noticed that the end of the original uh, show was missing somewhere. So I've had to just uh, come up <laughs> with it. And, yeah, so please, uh, to everyone, thanks for listening to the show. Uh, next pay-per-view we'll be doing will be uh, Royal Rumble 91, which we're really looking forward to. Uh, Royal Rumbles are always fun to listen to, so... We're really looking forward to that. 
And uh, yeah, please follow uh, Kevin at Bat Productions, uh, well, The Bat Pro, and also follow his YouTube channel if you're into your anime, Game of Thrones, your superhero content and things like that. He's one of the best on on uh, YouTube at pro uh, producing that type of content. So I would highly recommend checking out his channel. And yeah, as for me, if you could please uh, go over to my Twitter account as well and follow me at 90s Wrestling. Uh, like I said, I try to interact with everyone who sends me a message. Uh, sorry if I can't interact with everyone, but uh, I try my best. And also, if you get time, please check out the new uh, YouTube channel we just put out. Uh, we've just reviewed uh, the match between Edge and Randy Orton at Backlash, which a lot of people, <laughs> the tagline was the greatest wrestling match ever. And we basically took a in-depth look at the match and see if them claims are valid and form our own opinions at the end of the match. And plus, uh, I'll be uh, putting out some more content on the uh, YouTube uh, pretty soon as well. So that'll be good. And also, I've just started the Instagram page as well, at 90s Wrestling Podcast. So if you just want to jump over there and give that a follow and share the, spread the word, everything would be greatly appreciated. And yeah, and soon uh, we've got some very, very special guests coming soon. We've got some really exciting news for the podcast. We've do, I'm not at liberty to say what they are just yet, but we've got some big things coming up. So once I'm given the go-ahead to say what these things are, um, I think you're all going to be very, very excited. So fingers crossed it all goes well. So yeah, like I said, thanks again for joining another show. I'm James Tunstall, and please uh, come back next time where we'll be reviewing some more classic 90s wrestling. Cheers. Bye.